Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 21st of February 2011. I always suggest at the start of this show that you go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and help yourself to, this, well there's hundreds of audios now to listen to, where I try to give you shortcuts to understanding this big labyrinth, this big matrix in which we are born into, and to show you how it works, and to give you at least the clues, the starting points of to find out for yourself where how it works. And I use the official sites and official books by official players in the big game, those people you'll never meet way above you, uh, who basically run governments, and um, tell them what to do. Uh, the same guys that make sure they have a media there to keep you living in the dark. And, uh, however, their big boys love to publish books amongst themselves, of course, because nobody else bothers to read them. They're too dry and boring. So help yourself to the, to the information I give you. Remember, too, you can order books from me as well and discs. That helps me to keep going because I don't uh, take money from advertisers. Uh, and bring them on as guests. That's how most folk make their living, and uh, I don't do it that way. Because in an hour, there's, there's very little you can put out in one hour, to be honest with you. And um, it, it's too intense, there's too much to put out. to take hours and hours to really educate people properly in a proper format uh, from a waking-up position. And for those who can even handle it, in fact, it takes much, much longer to break down their old resistance to their old indoctrination, their old reality, and bring them into the new so from the U.S. to Canada, if you want to order, go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website, and you'll see that you can use a, a personal check from the U.S. to Canada. You can also use an international postal money order from the U.S. to Canada. Use PayPal. Uh, just use the, the PayPal donation button on my website and follow it up with a name, your name and address and order, and I'll get it out to you. You can also send cash. Some people just send the cash up. And across the rest of the world, you're left with Western Union and MoneyGram, which can wire direct or they can give you a check. Now, if they give you a check, make sure it's stamped international. And um, if you wire Western Union, it's much more expensive, of course. The check is cheaper way to go. But but, uh, I'm surprised at the cost of them all now for sending money, even the checks across the, the pond. So you might find it better just to put some cash in an envelope and send it instead because it's an awful rip-off. I've realized uh, what they're up to recently, in fact. Uh, PayPal, again, is accepted. Just uh, send, use the donation button on cuttingthroughthematrix.com and send your, your, an email with name, address, and order, and I'll get that out to you. And again, cash is fine. And um, remember, too, that if you want transcripts, you'll find them in all the sites in English, if you want transcripts in other languages, go into alanwatchsentinel.eu because there's a whole choice to to choose from. And good luck to you because it's really important that you learn this basic stuff very, very quickly because you're living through amazing history. We're all living through history, uh, and it's history in the making. It's an old agenda. 
and you're going through the big shake-up part of it as the whole world is restructured. And the way the boys at the top who control all the cash and all the loot and all the cons to do with money, the way that the world really should be run with experts uh, employed by them and think tanks and all the rest of it uh, to make sure that you're born into a system, assigned your work permit for your life, and you go out dutifully at the end uh, before you retire, because after all, if you, if you retire, you're, you're just a consumer, then you're not a producer. They don't like that, like to be a producer and consumer. So they want you to have euthanasia at the end. That will come out in the next few years, and it'll be pretty well accepted very quickly, actually, with a lot of people, because you can convince the public, no kidding, no kidding at all, to do anything that you want, if you know the sciences to use upon them. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. The system into which you're born is a, it's already a scientifically designed system. It was before you were born because the knowledge of controlling populations and people's minds is very, very ancient. It's, um, it goes all the way back to the pharaohs, the pharaohs and beyond it. And some of the writings, in the, and you'll you find this if you go into Egyptology, you'll find some of the translations uh, are to do with the, the teaching of the young pharaohs and how the priests would teach them into the ways of, of government and, and show them how basically the whole system worked. That was religion, high priests and, and so on, all had to work together to maintain the order and, uh, and how the public too, of course, were simplistic and they were kept simplistic and you never ever let them in on the real happenings of things. It was interesting even to read uh, you think about censorship or rewriting history, uh, some of the, the, the pharaohs lost battles, but um, uh, you'd always find that their, their priests would write down that they had victorious battles when they fought so-and-so or so-and-so, and they chiseled that in stone just to keep them happy. And um, nothing's new under the sun, as they say. Nothing truly is new under the sun, except the techniques today are far more perfected especially with mass communication and everyone getting basically the same indoctrination every day updated. You think about millions and millions of people across the Western world getting the same news from the same sources, the same topics and the same spin every single day of the week. And you, you can't escape it. It's, it's always on a radio. It's, it's coming from somewhere. It's television and it's on the Internet as well. So we're all being updated like computers to make sure we have the correct view of reality, which of course is the fake one uh, on behalf of your masters. You can't allow the people to wake up because they have nasty plans in store for you. And there's nothing new in that either because when you look at the history of the world and even the feudal systems of, say, Europe in the Middle Ages, you will find that there were battles between different warlords over territory and turf against the king and sometimes on the side of the king, sometimes against him. And the psychopathic types, those who want to win um, lust for power in all ages and they're born in every generation so many today go into business and, and big business and go up the ladder to become CEOs of corporations and they do join all the agencies along the way and all the proper uh, fraternal orders as they like to call it anything that will help them up the ladder they will join and they don't have good plans for the people 
there are nasty plans for the people because you see you're now in an international world order and they don't really need the people of the west so much because they can put all their business across the world to, to up and coming nations as I like to call it and there's no way you can, you can research all this data without coming to the conclusion that there definitely is a capstone up there that manipulates it all and knows where it's going and you do find traces of the circles within circles, as they call it, your circle of friends. And that term is used over and over with Professor Carol Quigley when he talked about the history of the society that ended up running a good part of the planet under the British Empire. Then that was the Royal Institute of International Affairs with this American branch called the Council on Foreign Relations. And they, called, they, they had different circles to begin with, and they called clubs. And maybe a few high members in each club would intermingle with the circle on the next club. It's kind of like the symbol of the Olympic Games when you look at the rings intersecting with each other. Well, inside the intersection are the small groups that know what's going on and they know of the other circles. That's how the system truly works. It's a need-to-know basis and that's all it takes to run the world. Politicians are the same. And they're all Freemasons too. And I used to be astonished to find out that they'd, they swore to put all their personal um, uh, reasonings to the side when they're given an order by a superior and they must go ahead and obey that order immediately without question and put all morality, whatever they have personally, to the side and simply do it. But it also means you don't ask questions. Very much like the military. And it's run basically and copied after uh, the military institutions today. Very much the same, even with a little marching they do up and down their lodges and all that stuff. It's very militaristic in its origins. And you've got to join it, of course, to get up the, the, the ranks uh, into politics. And then you're questioned and tested to see if you have the right stuff, meaning you keep your mouth shut and you're willing to, to lie to the public and simply read the scripts that you're superiors who are the script writers write for you and they are superior to you because they know the global agenda they're they're called the gray men by the way advisors and script writers they're called the gray men they go between the world of the unconscious the unseen the black uh, on the chessboard to the whites you see and they know what the agenda is and that's why in every single country across this planet you have the exact same system with the same advisors pushing the front men, presidents and prime ministers, along the same path with the same policies, same laws getting introduced at the same time. That's coordination. There are think tanks out there uh, funded by foundations and foundations that, that fund the think tanks and fund uh, other think tanks, which, whose whole job it is, is to go around creating consensus amongst the other think tanks. It's astonishing how incredibly organized this whole system is. They used to say that the communists uh, were so successful because they had organization on their side. And organization meant that the ones at the top dictated something to those below. And every uh, junior lieutenant or whatever would go off into his little group and put out the, the gospel for the day. And you had to put, again, your personal uh, prejudices, whatever, to the side and reserve them. It's the same with, with the other side, because it's really two arms on the same bird, two wings on the same bird that work this system into existence and control it through the dialectic system. 
But as, as I say, it's always astonishing to me to see them working still even harder than ever with left wing, right wing, when you see that the, ultimately the roads join together and we're, we're, you cannot distinguish them anymore. What is what is what? You have the same multi-billionaires on one side and the same multi-billionaires on the other. It's just amazing to me to watch this. And then you get all the littler sh- uh, sharks, the, the smaller psychopaths, uh, who come into politics as newcomers, who are, are prostituting themselves in any way they can to please their bosses and get up the ladder themselves. You can always count, uh, count on personal corruption of the individual when money is concerned in a monetary system, and money rules this system. Money rules the system. So many books were written, too, about the power of the purse would be used at the end of this phase, and that's what you're seeing now, because the big international banking elite uh, basically tell governments what to do, like the IMF, and, um, and they force down new laws on to you at the bottom. Because it's all about you. It's all about you. Anyone out there who says, I don't really matter, is kidding themselves. It's all about you. You see, we are just farmed, like others have said before me. Uh, Forty said it too, Charles Fort. And we're farmed, basically. And a farmer's going to know all about his beast, and their health, and their ability to to put out milk, whatever it is, or be a good beef steer. It's all about you, the weighing of you, the branding of you. That's your social insurance number to see who owns you. And all of that kind of stuff is what a farmer does, basically. And that's what they do with you. Because all that's created, that they take from you, is created by you, including your labor. And the definition, by the way, of slavery at one time, uh, was uh, taking from you the fruits of your labor was actually classified as slavery. And that can be done through taxation, you see. Tax means tax can also mean to punish, to punish or push yourself. And taxes always get pushed. They go up all the time to make sure that those at the top live in an incredibly high standard of living, which you can't even contemplate. You can't contemplate how they live. Done a long time ago, by the way. It didn't just happen. A lot of folk out there think something just happened after 2001, 9-11. All that happened then was the next part of the same agenda, where they implement total martial law to, in order to make sure that they have tabs, a proper brand, on who owns who. That's them owning you, the cattle. That's what it's all about. Because, as I say, you're the only ones who produce. Now, the power of the purse, as I say, is the big technique it's used now. If they don't want to drive, they'll just hike up the price through taxation, extra taxes on gasoline, which they've done before. If they don't want to smoke, the same thing's happened. They've signed five agreements with the United Nations, World Health Organization, every president, every prime minister. They keep jacking up the taxes once or twice a year on smokes until you can't afford them anymore. And folk, folk out there will say, well, it doesn't bother me, I don't smoke. Well, then the UN comes out with its war on obesity. So now they're going for the beast folk as well, you see. And they're talking about putting higher prices on the food you eat. And the more fat that they claim it will be, uh, then the more taxes there will be on it. Until eventually no one can afford the meat. It's nothing to do with what they tell you, you understand. It's nothing ever to do with what they tell you. Never. Same as the global warming nonsense that changed to climate change, to carbon taxes, energy taxes. It's nothing to do with what you'd think it 
would have has nothing to do with that at all. It's to do with creating a new massive sphere, not just of massive taxation, but also utter control over everything that you do in your life from birth to death. That's what it's about. Including if you'll, you'll be able to breed, if you'll get permission to breed or you won't. That's all to come through with this sustainability agenda as well. So the power of person is really working. Now, Charles Galton Darwin, I've mentioned before, a big writer on eugenics and why they had to kill off a good part of the common population, as he termed them. And he was quite blatant about it. He said the fittest must survive. And those who were the fittest already had worked their way up out of the gene pool and got to the top and they had held on to it for a few centuries. Therefore, there were no new comers coming in from the old gene pool. That's what he claimed. And I'll talk about that when I come back from this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix talking about Charles Galton Darwin who wrote in his book The Next Million Years and it's quite a boast, eh? they've planning uh, he said that um, there's, there's many ways to dissuade people from having children and he talked about making them want to be more materialistic encouraging them to, to go out and work he wanted the women out to work too to double the tax base as well of course and, and buy another car and all that. And if they got materialistic, then they wouldn't have children. Very, very important thing. And then the British folk really had already been doing what they were told to do since the 1920s by their governments, not to have more than one or two children. And, but that wasn't good enough, you see. So you can't please your masters. It's not meant that you please them because they always have uh, ulterior motives for what they say to you. But, um, it was interesting, of course, is that they achieved their agenda and in that area. And then I think during the Thatcher reign, she said we have to open the doors uh, to all of the immigration that comes in, mainly from India and elsewhere. It says because, she said because we, can't, we don't have enough children now to pay off the national debt down the road. See, that's all we are is stock. We're stock. We're in the stock market. That's where we are. We are the stock. A market, remember, is for animals. And stock is the, the, animal, the stock of animals. That's us. Anyway, here's an article here. It says, British families shrinking as 60% of parents say we can't afford a second child. Well, no kidding. Oh, big surprise, eh? Many ways to get what they want. Meanwhile, they're bringing the immigrants in and they're giving them cash up front. And they come in with their children, but they only have laws for certain countries to have extended families and other ones are excluded. You can find out if you do your own searching on that, what that means. This is almost two-thirds of parents who have one child say they're too poor to have a second. The crippling cost of bringing up youngsters means the average size of a British family is shrinking, a report claimed yesterday. Found the average bill for raising a child from birth until the age of 21 is now around £270,000. The modern family, in light of the glowing cost of bringing up the children, many parents simply can't afford a third, a third child. And a modern family says, well, I'll skip over all this stuff and just get to the nitty-gritty. It says, from nappies, that's diapers, to cots, shoes, to dentists, bills, new bicycles, the cost of school trips and after-school clubs, the costs are endless. And this is before parents have embarked upon luxuries such as foreign holidays and private education, which cost an average uh, £8,000 per term. 
uh, I wonder about class they're talking about here. Most folk never get out to the country. Anyway, it says, when asked why they were not going to have a second child, 58% uh, of parents with one child cited money as an overwhelming reason. Some 64% of those with two children say they can't afford to have a third. And it says, the average UK family size could be set to shrink as the cost of bringing up a child spirals to £271,499. And this is the figures from the Office for National Statistics. It's amazing, you know, every British Commonwealth country, and now all the countries in the US as well, uh, they also have departments of national statistics, just like George Orwell showed you in 1984. Because, you see, there are lies, then there are damn lies, and then there are statistics, as they say, quoted by many politicians and times gone by. And if it's statistic, it sounds more scientifically statistic. So anyway... Uh, that's, that's going to happen. Since 1971, such couples typically had two dependent children. The latest figures from 2009 show they have an average of 1.7. The number of married or cohabiting couples who have one child has risen from 16% in 72 to 20% today. The report comes as families face the biggest financial squeeze since the 1920s. And it's going to get a lot worse because that's the plan. The cost of living is rising faster than salaries, with state workers set for a two-year pay freeze if they can earn £21,000 or more, and private sector workers typically getting a 2% rise. Motoring costs are particularly high, with record gasoline prices and a 33% hike in the average cost of comprehensive car insurance. And you think these are all separate agencies, the insurance companies, the gasoline companies, the taxation for, for your car and your license, I think it's all separate. This, all the CEOs work together. Look at who attends the annual IBM meetings as everybody goes because they set the agenda. Anyway, it's the power of the purse, and this is all intentional, of course, and uh, we know where it's all going. And most families, to be honest with you, are decimated anyway. I think most of them that you see nowadays are one single-parent families which again was the government doing its wonderful scientific stuff with you to make sure that that happened as well. Interesting too to see how the colour revolutions are going across the, the fields. I read the article last week to do with, uh, they're on the go, they have a whole shopping list to, to accomplish uh, very quickly one after the other as you fly their NGOs in, the radicals uh, who are well trained, mind you, leaders. And it says here, dictator on the run, Gaddafi may have fled Libya already and be on his way to Venezuela, his foreign secretary, William Hague. And um, Gaddafi, of course, was in Libya for years. And he apparently was all pally again with the West, uh, who would use him, of course. And um, he couldn't be all that bad, like Daba. But it says here, um, protesters appear to have taken control of second city of Benghazi. Up to 400 feared dead after dozens killed in clashes and so on and so on. This is Libyan leader Mohammed uh, Gaddafi has fled Libya and may be heading for Venezuela. Uh, the foreign secretary said he'd, he'd seen information that suggests Gaddafi is on his way to the South American country as Libya was up in flames today with reports of around 400 dead. The dictator was said to have fled Tripoli where he has served for more than or ruled for more than 40 years as Tripoli was up in flames after anti-government demonstrators breached the state television building and set government property alight. Libyan diplomats at the UN are calling for Gaddafi to step down, and Deputy Ambassador Ibrahim Dabashi said if the dictator does not relinquish power, the Libyan people will get rid of him. Well, it won't be the people, folks. It's the, it's the mercenaries have sent in from the West. Back with more after this break. 
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back cutting through the matrix. I mentioned, too, when Harper went down to the U.S. to sign uh, the documentation, of course, which was, dri- was drafted up by the, all the bureaucrats have been going back and forth for the last year or so. That's all they do at these meetings when they go for the, 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 the Canada, U.S., Mexico deals. They sign agreements that are made up by others, and that's all they need is a signature. And they're really low in the totem pole, if you don't know it, uh, politicians, including prime ministers. They get well, well rewarded financially, and they get some better medical treatment and so on. And they're shielded from a lot of things that the public have no shielding against at all. But in reality, there's still lackeys, basically, because this is an old agenda. And these characters are simply picked out, sometimes years in advance, for the jobs that they'll occupy. They've got to be able to lie to the public, and that's what they do. Politicians have always lied to the public. You should look at some of their histories and some of the quotes made about politicians down through the last few hundred years. It's quite amazing that nothing's really ever changed. But here's an article here about what they were up to, part of what they were up to. I've already mentioned the fact they're integrating the borders. They've already done it uh, with um, uh, the computer systems, the FBI, and has access to all the citizens of Canada, and vice versa. The CSIS has all the data for the U.S. citizens, and we're really merged for all intents and purposes, even joining uh, inca- uh, duties from imports together. All that kind of stuff has been done over the last few years, and has actually I've been working for the last few years that way. Canada and the U.S. agree to use each other's troops in civil emergencies. Canada and the U.S. have signed an agreement that paves the way for the militaries from either nation to send troops across each other's borders during an emergency. But some are questioning why the Harper government has kept silent on the deal. Well, why I even ask him? He's a politician. So it says, um, neither the Canadian government nor the Canadian forces announced the new agreement, which was signed February the 14th in Texas. The U.S. military's Northern Command however, publicized the agreement with a statement outlining how its top officer general Jean Renouart and Canadian Lieutenant General Mark Dumay, head of Canada Command, signed the plan which allows the military from one nation to support the armed forces of the other nation during a civil emergency. And it says the new agreement has been greeted with suspicion by the left wing in Canada and the right wing in the U.S. It says... uh, it says here, it's uh, kind of a trend when it comes to issues of Canada-U.S. relations and contentious issues like military integration. We see that this government is reluctant to disclose information to Canadians that is readily available on American and Mexican websites, said Stuart True, a researcher with the Council of Canadians. And then there's another site too I'll put up next to that one. And it's about the same thing. It says, Canadian troops to, bo- uh, to patrol the U.S. cities as food riots feared. And it says, um, the United States has, for the first time in its history, granted rights to a foreign army to have full power over the life and death of American citizens in their own country. They're not being reported to American people by their propaganda media organizations. The U.S. Northern Command military leader, U.S. Air Force General Jean Roura, and his Canadian counterpart, Air Force Lieutenant General Mark Dumay, announced this new military pact this past week. And as we can read, this is from it. It says the U.S. Air Force General uh, Jean Renoirte, uh, commander of the North American Aerospace Defense Command and U.S. Northern Command, 
and Canadian Air Force Lieutenant General Mark Dumay, Commander of Canada Command, have signed a civil assistance plan that allows the military from one nation to support the armed forces of the other nation during a civil emergency. This document is a unique bilateral military plan to align our respective national military plans to respond quickly to the other nation's request for military support of civil authorities. Now, that's quite amazing. Civil authorities can ask for it, and it's done, eh? That's, that's now law, Renoir said. Uh, unity of effort during bilateral support for civil support operations such as floods, forest fires, hurricanes, earthquakes, and effects of a terrorist attack in order to save lives prevent human suffering and mitigate damage to property is of the highest importance and we need to be able to have forces that are flexible and adaptive to support rapid decision-making in a collaborative environment. And that's the official statement, right? And it says, um, an estimated estimated timeline in these reports states that the American people could begin seeing Canadian soldiers in the cities as early as the summer, as many experts are predicting that the massive food shortages being reported all around the world will begin causing food riots in many, many American cities. So I'll put that up as well. And remember, too, it's also to do with economics and the fact that there's, getting, there's less and less work out there for the public, uh, thanks to the World Trade Organization and all your previous politicians that allowed China to snaffle up all your uh, corporations and you paid for all your tax money to transport them abroad, and that was awfully nice of you, and this is the way of paying you back. Massive unemployment and hyperinflation. That will come down the pike eventually, hyperinflation. There's no doubt about it. My food has pretty well doubled in the last few months, as far as I can tell, with my last visit into town. And to do with the border, too, the are about putting extra drones up across the place, the whole border. That was all part of the deal as well, uh, to, to make sure that the property of one uh, boss, uh, that, that's you, doesn't sneak across to be the property of another boss. It's all to do with the right of taxation at the moment. Once it's total integration, we'll all be getting taxed through the same uh, authority, obviously. And the United Nations is also up to the same deal. I'll mention that later. It says, is it a bird, is it a plane? No, it's the Army's latest $4 million spy drone disguised as a hummingbird, and it measures just 16 centimeters. That's from the Daily Mail. And the pocket-sized spy drone disguised as a hummingbird has been unveiled by a major Pentagon contractor measuring just 16 centimeters and weighing less than an AA battery. It can fly up to 11 miles an hour and took five years to develop at a cost of $4 million. And, of course, they give you the usual stuff. It's for enemy positions in war zones. You better understand that you can be the enemy. Uh, maybe you should understand that. Without arousing detection and eventually to deploy it into both rural and urban environments. But when you read down on the thing, uh, the people who own this company, uh, it paves away, it says it paves away for a new generation of aircraft with agility and appearance of small birds. And it says that once the, the, the domestic laws are relaxed, which they know is going to come because you pay off, you know, the, the Pentagon, the politicians, they'll use it on the public back home as well. That's where they're, they're expecting their biggest sales, by the way, as governments uh, to use on spying on their own people. But what's new, eh? What's new? Another site I'm putting up tonight, too, is eutrainingsite.com. And it goes on about the EU funds and how it works, etc. And it tells you what the IFI is, the World Bank Group, and the IMF. It says, it says here, the World Bank Group 
and integrates five closely associated organizations that work collaboratively to reduce poverty in developing countries by robbing the wealthier ones. I, I added the last part as a Freudian slip there. The World Bank, which integrates the International Bank for Reconstruction and Development. This is the most important bank, by the way, folks. International Bank for Reconstruction and Development. Uh, Carol Quigley talked about that in his book, uh, Tragedy and Hope, and the Anglo-American Establishment. They said this is the overseer of all the other banks. And that was signed into law through United Nations with all the participating countries in about 1946, I believe. They used to call it the OECD banks, and now they've changed the name again, and the World Bank's in charge of it, but they're all under the International Bank for Reconstruction and Development. It says, and the International Development Association, which is IBRD, and the IDA, and three other agencies, namely the International Finance Corporation and Multilateral Investment Guarantee Agency and the International Center for Settlement of Investment Disputes. And then they give you uh, more information on these above. This is their official site, so you should check them all out for yourselves. It's quite fascinating to see that you're under the gun, uh, basically, and the microscope all the time with these big agencies all working together because they're all really one. It's the same international lenders who are the chairman, the boards, of the whole bunch of them. And that's what runs the entire planet. That's power, eh? That's real power. Quite amazing. It's just quite amazing. And tonight, too, I'm also putting up the ghost towns of China. I've been wondering why they've set them up and they've left them empty. But they're new high-tech cities, basically, in towns. And... Uh, uh, so far, no one's in them. It says, the ghost towns of China, amazing satellite images show cities meant to be home to millions lying deserted. As elaborate public buildings and open spaces are completely unused, with the exception of a few government vehicles near communist authority offices. Some estimates put the number of empty homes at as many as 64 million, with up to 20 new cities being built every year in the, city, the country's vast swathes of free land. It's free now that they can tell the peasants off. The photographs of America's Chinese government think tank warns that the country's real estate truck bubble is getting worse, with property prices in the major cities overvalued by as much as 70%. Well, I don't think it is, because I think what it really is, is they're getting ready for the influx of the upper elites and all their families. And there's an awful lot of them, too, by the way, and extended families, to move into these particular places. I think that's part of what it's all about. But it's interesting to look into them. And they're building them across the world as well, these super smart cities. And they're just waiting for folk to come to them when the time is right. Now, the United Nations, I love the terminology they use. Again, it's, it's, it's um, psycholinguistics, which they use. is to put nice terms on nasty things. And most folk read the nice terms, and they see the headlines and don't think any more about it. And I know folk who think the United Nations go around the world handing out tents and candy bars to children. They have no idea what it really is, who set it up, and for what purposes. They have no idea there's got a, a Department of Population Control, which means reduction, stuff like that. But it says, the United Nations Monday unveiled a strategy to ensure a sustainable future for the planet by investing 2% of wealth generated by the global economy or some $1.3 trillion annually in 10 key sectors. They're talking about taxation of every individual. That's just what it means. The paradigm shift towards a green economy would also alleviate chronic poverty. Oh, they, these are such liars. They, don't, they, they create the poverty. 
The United Nations Environment Programme, UNEP, said in a report, released as more than 100 environment ministers meet in Nairobi. I mean, we've all got these environment, like weathermen now, eh? Weathermen that tell us there's a future like priests of old that would rub stones together and, and throw the ruins and, and read them, or cut livers open and tell you what the future's going to be. What a con! But you see, it's always been cons, and they learned that back then, thousands of years ago. It doesn't have to make sense. Under the UN strategy, individual incomes would outstrip trajectories forecast by traditional economic models while having, uh, having a humanity's per capita ecological footprints by 2050. Reshuffling the global economic mix will challenge vested interest and disrupt employment, UNEP acknowledged. It's amazing too, some of the ancient Greeks talked about religion, you know. And one of them said, he says, not content, I think it was Socrates, not content with with putting all their laws on humankind and nature and, and earth, the world, the cosmos. Here they are uh, making laws and rules and regulations on the heavenly as well, meaning the spiritual areas. Well, it's the same con that's going to work then. It will work now, you see. As climate experts, you see, supposedly, and under this con of climate change, etc., they're going to have global taxation. And as far as the United Nations is concerned, it's already done. It's a done deal. Because, you see, the public are not asked what they think. And the public are not asked if they want to vote on it. That's democracy that we're spreading across the world, you see. But it says, but the plant uh, promises to generate growth rates equal to or higher than a business-as-usual approach, which, even as it stroke two centuries of break-new industrialization, slowly eroded Earth's capacity to cope. So it's all about saving the planet, taxing the blazes out to and keeping the fat cats even fatter at the top as they snigger up their sleeves. Because, you see, the United Nations was set up and run by bankers, folks, international bankers. That's who funded, through the Milner Group, into the Royal Institute of International Affairs, that's who funded it into existence. And they do not have your best intentions at heart, believe you me. That's one of the biggest cons of all this United Nations that runs on a Marxist philosophy to serve the banking masters who funded the Marxists. It's much better, as I say, getting governments to put every citizen down as as basically collateral for the debt and dealing just with one government than going to every citizen and forcing them to be collateral. That's why they love socialism. World socialism. I'll also put one up tonight too. It's, a, it's quite an interesting little video where a politician talked to the EU, you know, the super Soviet government over there, about um, their laws putting small businesses out of business. And you'll hear the farcical, again, Marxist answers. Marxist answers used to be nonsensical. Like when all logic is staring them in the face, they still go into their nonsense. And that's what you'll see on this little YouTube thing. Now, the daily course, I've warned folk before about blogging and emailing and, um, and, and forums and all the rest of it because the big boys had all this plan set up before they gave you the Internet. Remember, the military-industrial boys were using the Internet before you'd even heard of, of the term computer. And then they gave it to us to monitor and enslave all of you. And they do a darn good job with what comes in here sometimes through the mail. It says, the H.B. Gary email that should concern us all. 
As I wrote yesterday, there's a leaked email that has gotten surprisingly little attention around here. It's the one where Aaron Barr discusses his intention to post at Daily Kos, presumably something negative about Anonymous, the hacking group. But that's not the email I'm talking about here. So he's in to tell you what he is talking about eventually. And he's, he's talking about uh, the Pentagon. It says, As I mentioned yesterday in some of the emails, HB Gary people are talking about creating personas. Now, this is big psychological warfare department. What we would call sock puppets. This isn't new. Public relation firms have been using fake people to promote products and other things for a while now, both online and even in bars and coffee houses. But for a defense contractor with ties to the federal government, Hunton and Williams, Department of Defense, the NSA and the CIA, whose enemies are labor unions, progressive organizations, journalists and progressive bloggers, I'd say everybody that's not an elite. A persona apparently goes far beyond creating a mere sock puppet. According to an embedded MS Word document found in one of the H.B. Gary emails, involves creating an army of sock puppets with sophisticated persona management software that allows a small team of only a few people to appear to be many. You wonder about your tweets and all that stuff too? And oh my God, they're doing great in the Middle East. Look what they're doing. It's all a show, folks. Mainly computer run. While keeping the personas from accidentally cross-contaminating each other. Then to top it off, that one team can actually automate some functions so one persona can appear to be an entire Brooks Brothers riot online. Persona management entails not just a deconfliction of persona artifacts such as names, email addresses, landing pages and associated content. It also requires providing the human actors technology that takes the decision process out of the loop when using a specific persona. For this purpose, we custom developed either virtual machines or thumb drives for each persona. And they go into why this works and how it works. It's quite interesting. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix and just finishing off this little part here, but it's to do with setting up fake people basically on Facebook, so it's all, all connected with uh, all the other accounts, the forums, MySpace, all that stuff, and it's run by computers and software, and they're targeting bloggers, etc., who are speaking out against what's happening in the world. But that's been happening for quite some time now. And anyone who uses these other free forums, etc., the, the, the Facebook stuff and all that, uh, what, what can you say? That they're goners. I mean, anybody who would join something where they've already told you to sell all your data, and, and, and the very fact you want to put it up there in the first place, all your personal stuff, means you're gone. There's nothing to save. Now, there's a caller there, Jim from New York on the line. Are you, are you there, Jim? Hi there. Hi there, Alan. Hi there. I appreciate all the work you've been doing. I wanted to ask you a question. Yeah. Um, for for a while, the U.S. has been a holdout uh, because of the Constitution, like as in World War II, Germany, and other countries. Apparently, do you think soon they will sign on to the U.N. gun ban and confiscate here in the U.S. Uh, before they open up the FEMA centers, etc.? Well, I've no doubt that will come eventually. There's no doubt about that at all. Um, well, for, actually, people don't realize that, that Germany was the first, when the Nazis got in, they, they, they put a war on smoking, by the way, that was just how they started off, and they did follow it with a war on obesity. Just for folk who don't know, it's the same socialist system. And uh, they, they also had a, a ban, but it was mainly on people who they declared as not being uh, true Germans. They had a ban on them from having firearms, the rest of them could keep them. 
But uh, socialism is socialism. I don't care. It all came from the same roots in Marxism and, and all the rest of it. It came from the same roots. So it can only, uh, like, like a virus, uh, recreate itself over and over and over again. But uh, I've no doubt at all during a civil emergency that will be done because they tried. They did that, in fact, in parts of New Orleans uh, when uh, the, the, the big uh, uh, the water flooded in. And they went from house to house to house in some areas, and all they could t- you could take was yourself and the clothes you, you stood on, nothing else. And uh, there, there were YouTube's uh, videos up there too, with them actually taking firearms from people and then putting them onto trucks, people onto trucks and shipping them out to the city. So uh, this will definitely happen. Um, again, you've, you've already signed a United Nations agreement many years ago, where every country was to be eventually disarmed except for the military. And um, it, was, it was something to do with, with the disarmament in a peaceful, a peaceful time or something it was called. I can't remember exactly what it was. I have a copy of it somewhere. But uh, every country signed on to that, and that will be done. Uh, there's no doubt whatsoever about that. It will have to be done by those who are in charge. Yeah. Even though they have all the weaponry way superior to use to knock out cities and all the rest of it, um, they're, they're still afraid of individuals that can uh, they can shoot straight, I guess. Yeah. But that's really what's what's happening. We're going through an agenda uh, set up a long time ago, uh, including using the environment to make us all very poor. Redistribution of wealth is a communist uh, manifesto plank. You're you're going through it right now under the guise of environment and saving the world and all the rest of it, redistribution of the wealth to the poor countries, which isn't going to the poor countries because they've already signed agreements. They must take the populations of those countries down, and Kissinger saw to that. We spend a lot of tax money from our taxes uh, on abortions in these countries, most of which are not overpopulated at all. They're actually underpopulated. They don't have enough people to even farm. That's why they're hungry. It's amazing how you can have your perceptions bent by folks who don't give you the whole of the story, isn't it? Well, from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you. <laughs>